Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With the end of the regular season approaching and playoffs right around the corner, 15 NHL teams will be looking to the future with the NHL Draft Lottery. And to celebrate, the Hockey Podcast Network has partnered with Tankathon.com and CoolHockey.com to bring you the Hockey Podcast Network NHL Draft Lottery Contest. The winner of the contest will win a $200 gift card to CoolHockey.com, the Internet's best source for ordering and customizing NHL officially licensed jerseys. So here's how you play. Visit Tankathon.com NHL and click Sim Lottery to create a 15-team simulation. You can run the simulator as many times as you like until you get the result that you think will best match the NHL's official draft lottery. Take a screenshot of your simulation and post it to the comments section of the Hockey Podcast Network's contest tweet on their official Twitter account, at HockeyPodNet. Then, make sure to tag a friend and retweet the post. You must follow at Tankathon, at CoolHockey, and at HockeyPodNet on Twitter to be eligible for entry. All entries must be submitted by April 4th at 11.59 Eastern. The winner of the $200 Cool Hockey gift card will be announced on Twitter following the NHL's official draft lottery. All contest information can be found at HockeyPodNet on Twitter. So what are you waiting for? Visit tankathon.com NHL right now and keep simulating until you get the result that you think will best win you your CoolHockey.com gift card. This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. This is the Broadway Boys Podcast through the Hockey Podcast Network. We're back with episode 48 as the coronavirus sweeps the country and has taken over everything in this world. And the New York Rangers split their two games since we've last spoken to you. And they lost a heartbreaking, zero effort, gutless. I, I, I don't even know the words to describe them. Just gutless was one of them. They lost a, a gutless game to the New Jersey Devils. And then they go on the road and they win a game that I had marked on the calendar months ago. And they beat the Dallas Stars 4-2 on the road and they're facing off against the Colorado Avalanche tonight it's the second best team in the West without McKinnon so you can chalk that up as a loss we're better off no. with McKinnon yeah no yeah, the- without Rantanen yeah, yeah without Rantanen without McKinnon 
McCarr, without Kadri. Yeah, McCarr is back. McCarr's coming yeah, back tonight. No Kadri. It's Fox versus McCarr. McCarr's going to have five goals tonight. He's going to match Zibanejad. And it just – I'm nervous going into tonight because I'm not saying it's a must win. But every game really is kind of a must win. And when you take away all of the guns that Colorado has, I feel like we're going to get crushed. I feel like we're going to get the doors blown off. I don't know who's in goal. Andy, talk to me. Talk me off the uh, ledge because with all this corona going on and the lineup that Colorado's throwing at us tonight, I'm just in a full-fledged panic. I wish I could not be a fearmonger, James, but like you, I am a lifelong Rangers fan, which means when I look and see that on paper New York Rangers should win this game, they are absolutely going to lose this game. I mean, uh, yeah, they every game is so important in the playoff race for them. They're treading water. I kind of looked at my prediction. I did the the forecasting, you know, the type of stuff you do as a, when you're a football fan in terms of there's only so many games. So you're just like, that's a loss. That's a win. That's a loss. And it's like, oh, the, the season hasn't even started yet. We're not making the we're not making the playoffs or whatever. But um, yeah, I had obviously in my head, I had them beating the Devils and then probably dropping one to Dallas before they went on their their trip. But it's it went the opposite way. They lost in a like you said before, a uh, uh, effortless, gutless effort, you know, effortless uh, is a perfect word for it. Gutless it just, is also, yeah, it just worked too. Yeah. You know, and listen, I, I don't want to take too much away from the devils who are playing the, their best hockey of the season right now, which is a little too late. They beat the St. Louis blues. They, uh, beat the Rangers, but at the same time, um, doesn't matter. The Rangers weren't even competitive. They just weren't, they looked out of gas. They weren't trying, they weren't sharp. Quinn, lays into them and then they come out and have probably one of the best games they've played all season. Uh, so yeah, I mean, and that's the story of this young team this year up and down, uh, the efforts there, the sharpness is there. They feel good about themselves and then it slips. And obviously it's about these becoming unconscious habits for this team that they don't need to be reminded, but again, they're young, so it's part of it. But yeah, tonight, obviously, as a Rangers fan, you're worried that anytime something should be easy, you feel or not easy, but something should be it should be a winnable game. It seems like this year, this team has responded so much better when they've had it. They've played so much better when they've had adversity in front of them and something they've had to get up for, you know, where it's like this is team should blow you out on paper. And then they always like take it to them. And either they win, which is amazing, or they lose. But you're like, you know what? They tried because they they knew they were going to get killed if they didn't. But well, I will yeah, say, seeing that seeing the dilapidated lineup in front of them, you hope they don't in the just in unconsciously take their foot off the gas a little bit because they literally cannot afford to. If they want to stay in this race, they have to keep their foot on the gas. Yeah, you know, well, you said a, something before that you know triggered one of my thoughts is that you know when the Rangers have played this season, you know, even when they have lost, you said you know they they showed heart, they showed you know fight. I didn't get that. I didn't I didn't have a feeling after that Devils game. I haven't had that feeling in a long time where you're just truly disappointed in just like their overall effort. Like it's almost like they didn't even try or even want to be out there. They weren't interested in playing any sort of hockey. They I mean, the Devils w- walked all over us. I mean, we didn't even put forth an effort. Like there wasn't even if you could grade a scale of the effort, there was zero. It was none. It was like we didn't even take the test. And it was you know, really disheartening to see that um, I don't know if they just thought that uh, Zibanejad is going to score five goals a game 
or what, but that, I mean, to show up like that after such an emotional game, I know there's usually a letdown, but that was beyond a letdown. And that, that, well, that's definitely a sign of a young team and an inexperienced team, but holy shit. I mean, that, well, you can't have first, that. Yeah. Well, the first period ends and the Rangers are leading by two goals. So I think it was playing out exactly how they thought they're like, eh, you know, we're going to kind of half-ass it, but New Jersey isn't as good as us. So we're going to hang some goals on that. We're going to just do just enough to survive either by goaltending or whatever, especially with Igor, uh, coming, you know, coming back. They, some, uh, it was clear that they felt that, yeah, they felt that, uh, he was going to bail them out like he had before. And it was just, you know, the rust was there, although it wasn't all, uh, his fault, you know what I mean? Oh wait, or did did Georgiev play that game? I forget. No, Hank. No, Igor played? played that game, and then Hank came in. Yeah, and he Hank came in relief. Yes, that's right. Um, yeah, and actually Hank looked pretty good in that last period. But anyway, no, he did. He uh, looked solid. I'll give it to him. He, yeah, he gave it to him. But yeah, the point being that it seemed like it was playing out just the way they wanted, and and of course, then it just it went you know sideways on him way too quickly. And yeah, they didn't seem they didn't want to skate. They didn't want to be sharp. They didn't want to make good decisions with the puck. They and I and Quinn said it during the post in the in the post game comments, and I agreed with him. I don't think a single player on the team had a good night. You know, I mean, yeah, because I, the expectations are different up and down the lineup. I thought even Mika, who's been good, yes, he scored yet another goal, and then obviously would score again last night. So he's up to forty now. So congratulations to him. But. Yeah, I don't think anyone looked good. I don't. Uh, Fox had a very up and down game, and he was trying to. The few times Fox has had a, a rough game, it's when he's forcing those passes that he's known for, and he's not just kind of letting the game come to him and then exploiting it. It's more about when he. Yeah, he was just when teams are hungrier than the Rangers, they really struggle, and uh, that's exactly what happened. And yeah, as Quinn said, no, no one had a good game. And even though Igor came back and was rusty, he was definitely the least of their problems because uh, some of those goals on him weren't even bad. They were just kind of fluke deflections, but it was one of those things that you could tell the Devils were making their own luck. They were putting themselves in the, the situation, just put it on net, and e even if it bounces off three skates and goes in, they, they created the chaos, you know what I mean? So the Rangers have no one but themselves to blame, but I will say that, like you said, they're a young team, and... They moved on, and the message was clear. And the effort they gave, at least for the first and second period of the Dallas game, was it was night and day in terms of effort level from them. Yeah, and I'll dismiss the third period. I know they, you know, they lost that period uh, two nothing. It was, you know, a, a road game. They're playing Dallas, who's you know one of those teams that can really play shutdown defense and just kind of force you into making poor decisions. And we took advantage and exposed them in the first two periods with, you know, with our effort and our you know transition game. And I thought we looked really good and moving the puck around the defensive zone or offensive zone and, and creating opportunities for ourselves. And then, you know, you had the weather storm. You're up four goals. You know, yeah. they're going to throw everything at you, including the kitchen sink in the third. And they were able to weather the storm. They got through it. And, uh, you know, it was a gutsy win, uh, and they kind of redeemed themselves after a shit show of a game against the New yeah. Jersey Devils. And and uh, I'll hand it to them; they they bounced back in a way that it certainly wasn't expect expected. Yeah, and I think that's the biggest thing that you can see with this team why it has become kind of 
uh, agonizing for you and I is that the potential is so apparent at times. You know what I mean? The fact that they can things they couldn't do last year or even earlier as early as September where they couldn't stop the bleeding when things were going sideways on them or they couldn't hold on to leads or lock it down when they had to. They can do these things now. Yeah. Even with the losing players over the course of the game, they were down. Um, Heedle goes to the locker room. They're down a center. They keep scoring. Uh, they shift lines around. They make it work. Everyone was pulling the rope. Uh, Brendan Smith gets in a, in a, you know, a fight with Jamie Ben. So he's sitting, one of their defensemen is sitting in the box for, you know, five minutes or whatever. Uh, yeah. Foss goes to the locker room for a while. So now one of your veteran best uh, defensive players isn't there, but they just kept, kept on coming. And their first period was good. So I was a little worried for the second period. Not only was the second period good, it was flat out dominant. It was I mean, great. The first 10 minutes were unbelievable. I don't, I don't think they got a, even a shot on goal in the, in the first 10 minutes of that second period. Yeah. And every, every time we've talked about this before that I love the fact that they don't play together and then you, they go to four on four and then Quinn says, I'm putting Mika and Panarin together. And every time those two are on the ice at the same time, it's magic, man. It's, it's, oh my God. And obviously they don't have the depth to make that a full-time thing. And I don't think it's, it makes sense for them to now anyway, considering that you have Mika dominant one line and Panarin dominant the other, it's good to spread the wealth, but when those two do couple up, it's it's flat out scary the way they can cycle the puck with one another and find each other. And what I love about the two of them is that even when teams, which is the mark of an elite player, is that when teams take away the inside, they both have the ability to do little things like little chips up in the air and then swat down to themselves and like just little things to break into the interior that just other players can't do making, you know, or holding on to the puck in situations where they should lose it or get it back if someone's going to steal it. And then, yeah, they're just so good. Um, obviously, we're so happy for our sweet little 215-pound Finnish baby boy, Capo Caco, scoring two goals last night, which is definitely much needed for him. Uh, and I have to really get credit, you know, he had a, a beautiful pass on one of them by him, but I thought Howden had a great game in terms of the things he was doing. If he keeps, he's been pretty good for a bit now, at least in his limited role. I think it's clear that his upside isn't going to be super crazy, but I think there is, he can be a really solid bottom six, you know, defensive winger who can chip an offense. He might like Jesper Foss in a, in a bigger man's body because he can do some things that surprise you sometimes. He makes good passes here and there. He's obviously not the most skilled player, but he gets in quickly. And I, I thought he was pound was flying last night. And it also, same thing to Brendan Lemieux, who's been rough for, I think, a month and a half now. I think ever since he broke his hand, even coming back. But last night, playing with Mika, he elevated his game. And I think that's the one thing I really like. Uh, we saw, because of all the, the injuries going on, with he, like Gauthier got more minutes. And he's, you see the way he can protect, he can get in quickly and protect the puck on the boards. You just couldn't get it from him. You know what I mean? Yes, he would maybe run out of runway sometimes and not know what to do with it. But his learning, his, he's been uh, very promising since coming here. You can kind of see him getting used to it and doesn't want to make mistakes. But at the same time, you just, you can definitely see the upside and what uh, a full year in the NHL is probably do for him. You know what I mean? He's definitely... I think he can definitely figure out, carve out a role for himself in the NHL. Maybe it doesn't lead to supreme offense, but 
it's just if he's a player that every time he's on the ice, it's a problem because he's in grinding your one of your lines down. They're not scoring. You're just spending all your time in their zone. I mean, I'm happy with that, you know? Yeah, no. And, you know, just I think the overall to I mean, again, Fox coming out right out of the, right out of the gate and getting the Rangers on the board early oh, yeah. was absolutely critical. I to- actually wanted to to talk about this for how much I love Adam Fox, not to cut you off. No, please. But so that play was very indicative of what I love about Adam Fox because when he takes that that he takes the you know the uh the little wrist shot from using a screen from you know, right around the circles beautiful pass to Panarin to the trailer right but he Bishop is so big and takes up a lot of net obviously so you they say you will have to go high on him no matter what and in Watching him do it in time, it's almost I had to watch the replay and then see, like, because at first I was like, how does he beat him? Like, he uses a screen at first. I'm like, there's got to be a screen. He doesn't see it. But I'm like, does Bishop guess it's wrong? But then I so I watched it back and then they have a different angle, which is less from the side and more from what Fox was seeing from behind. And Bishop actually kind of has clear sight of him. But Fox in one motion goes to shoot, delays, looks him off with his head. And like almost his gate, his his eyes and his head, his head position kind of trait, you know, grazes to the top right corner, and then he puts it like mid left under his arm. And I was like, "Holy crap!" It's such a big brain play, and to happen in real time, and you just kind of really appreciate like what a how intelligent Fox is and what he can do when he's the gate, like he's just feeling it. You know what I mean? Because it was one of those things. I'm like, "How are you going to beat?" It wasn't even there wasn't a lot of velocity on the shot, even because you know. No, I, he, he kind of cat. It was just like a, a like a. It, it reminded me of Leach not to do that in the way he used to shoot pucks and that he wasn't crazy, but he just had such a. He was very accurate in terms of his like catch and release on his like little. He'd kick he'd kick the leg back and then just have like either a a, a snapshot or a wrist shot, but that's what it reminded me of and just how he kind of guides it to exactly where he wants it. But he looks him looking him off right you know around the circles and still being able to beat him under the arm was very impressive to me because it was just it it happens so quickly but you realize what he did and you're like holy smokes this kid is is amazing it's impressive for sure but you 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 got to think this kid's probably been doing that his whole entire career he just doesn't get always the opportunities now that he's playing in the nhl but he knew i mean it's been there done that i mean he looks like he took that shot a million times before you know what i mean so i i mean that's just that's the level that he's at. I mean, he's just that good of a player and it's pretty exciting to have him on our team. And, and yeah, like you said, I mean, the goal like that, just to beat Bishop, who's been, you know, very good this year, just to beat him that clean. And, you know, just the, you know, the poise and the patience knowing, you know, that he can, you know, essentially freeze the goaltender and then basically just put it by him and not really, you know, not beat him with, you know, not a Shea Weber bomb from the point where it's going to go through the goalie. He just, you know, fucking lets it rip in, in just a, yeah, like you just said, like in a very, you know, nonchalant fashion where he just was able to freeze the goalie. And that's not many players can do that. And it just goes to show you that this kid has been special at every single level. And he's, you know, able to, you know, translate that type of game into the NHL. And it's certainly, certainly showing. Uh, yeah. And then also, again, Panarin. The puck movement with Zibanejad, I know you touched on it before when it was done four and four, but it was like they were putting on a clinic. It was almost like they were, it was orchestrated. Like 
the Dallas we're, we're told like, you know, we're, they're like the generals against the Globetrotters and they're not actually going to be able to get the puck from you. Like that's how good it was. It was pretty amazing to watch. And then you get like Tony D'Angelo that gets in the mix and he's dangerous because he sees what's happening and, you know, you know exactly he's going to, to you know, scoring chance opportunity uh, and, and drive the net or, or drive like that far slide. And, and he jumps into the play too. So to have three guys like that on a four on four is pretty cool to watch because uh, their, their puck movement is, is, is unreal. It really is. It's fun to watch. So yeah. uh, Kako getting two. Um, what do you think this does for Kako? Does this really mean anything? Again, it's against a struggling Dallas stars team that, you know, may not put a ton of pressure on you and, and play a overbearing game, but they play a very structured game. And I feel like that almost benefits uh, cop, uh, you know, Kako's style in terms of like being able to have a little bit more time with the puck and think about what he wants to do. Or... Yeah, I mean, so his, I've been impressed with the pace that Kako's been playing at for a while now. Obviously, he hasn't been getting rewarded, but he's definitely faster on pucks and is more decisive, which is the biggest thing, I think, with any player. Dis- decisiveness and I think what you've seen some of the goals he scored uh, close to the net because, and I think that at least now it kind of suits him because he doesn't, he still is kind of lacking that explosive first step. Right. But if he sets up, he's got quick hands and he can, yeah, he can uh, out deep goaltenders and make quick moves and have like quick, you know, he's got the good, uh, he's got good lateral movement and you can spin off really quick and do those things fast. He's just, his first steps are slow. So getting to foot races and things based off the rush, it's kind of tough for him, especially on a team like the Rangers, who a lot of it is based off on being quick on the rush, but yeah, he's just more decisive. And, uh, I, you know, you have to love both intentions. I like the fact that he recognized what Kako's doing. I mean, sorry, excuse me, what Howden and Foster are doing immediately with the drop. The second Foss uh, makes that deft little pass where he starts almost like he's going to leave his own zone and then puts on the backhand up the boards and Howden's already going the other way. You know, Kako's already getting into position and he gets the shot off quick. He doesn't miss. He makes no mistake. Awesome. And then obviously with Mika, goes right to the side. And in one motion, you know, Mika passes to him and, Bishop is ready with the the poke check, but he quick uh, puck on the string. You know, his hands are so good. We've talked about it before. Uh, pulls it back, you know, kind of presents himself to the side and just kind of slams it on his backhand into the into the lower portion of the net just with quick stick handle, you know. And yeah, I I like the fact that he is figuring out how he can contribute or the, the best ways for him to contribute at this level now, which is good. I like he's being more decisive. I like the fact that he isn't like they, I, I hate to quote David Quinn because not not that I agree with him when he says all this time, but he always says you can't cheat. And I like the fact that for the most part, Kako doesn't just stand there and wait for it to happen. He only goes there if it makes sense to go there. He's not just being like, well, I can't score any other way right now, so I'm just going to put it myself here. It's about, yeah, it's about making your... It's yeah, it's about knowing when to go. And I, I've seen nothing but those flashes from Kako, which is why when people kind of worry like, oh, well, he's only got this much and he's the second overall. Like, it doesn't bother me, really, because you see the flashes and you see the skill and you can just kind of say, well, it's clear that he doesn't have this, this, this. But he, those are just age, you know, getting used to the league and aging thing. 
So his brain is clearly operating fast enough for the NHL. It's just obviously his, he has to get stronger, which he is. Cause you know, there's a picture going around the internet of how much muscle he's put on in the, the last few months. And he, you know, he looks, he looked, he looked like a, you know, looked like a little boy before, even though he was still big, but he's definitely put on some muscle. I've seen him win a little bit more battles in the corners and you forget he's only 18. Uh, and yeah, it's just, he's, he's finally being more decisive, taking shots when he has to, even if it doesn't go in, it's not about that. It's about the chaos it creates and the fact that you, your teammates can capitalize and rebound or better yet you can, you know? So yeah, I, uh, you know, the one thing he has still has to get better and Quinn touched on is his defense last night. He was late to pick up his trailer, you know, doesn't have the first step and doesn't really recognize it, but that'll come deep. That's hard. That's every young player kind of struggles with that. Right. Is the, their awareness in the defensive zone and knowing where to be and how, when you're not the one dictating, it's kind of hard to know how to defend against that and just to not, not to freak out and run around too much in your own zone and put your, pull yourself out of position. So that'll come. Well, you if know. you think about it too, how often did he play defense growing up? You know no, what I mean? Didn't. It never really had to be a strong suit because whenever that, he, that kid was on the ice, he was probably dominating in the offensive zone. And, you know, which is why, you know, young players always take a little bit more time to adapt to um you know the defensive zone when you know they're essentially outmatched with you know bigger better players that you know have been there done that so but yeah i mean you could see and this is like another thing too so many people said you know kako should go be sent down you know should just start in the ahl he obviously doesn't belong because he's not putting up a thousand points this year but uh the when you look at his strength and his size and you know, where he was from the first few weeks of the season to where he is now, it's night and day. It really is. Like, I know his point total is not there, and it's, you know, his, he is a minus 26 on the season, but that really doesn't sum up his season at all. Like, that, that's just, those are his stat lines. You know, he got stronger. He got smarter. He's a little bit more uh, quick to make his decisions. He's not hesitant as much. There are there are opportunities, though, that I feel like he could shoot and he kind of dishes it off, especially when uh, he's out there with, you know, our bigger guns. I think he's a little shy, trigger shy. So I think he needs to be a little bit more decisive and, and, and throw more pucks on net. I think a lot more things, good things will happen to him if he does that. And uh, yeah, no, it's, it's good to see he gets two goals and uh, we're going to need some depth and depth in scoring, especially if Heedle's out, uh, Kreider's obviously out and, um, you know, and we're going to be, you know, plagued with the injury bug heading into the uh, playoffs. Uh, another player, though, I want to give a shout out to is Jacob Truba, because I feel like he has kind of been a beast this last few games. And I just feel like he's been more physical, just been our, 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 the steady defenseman that I thought he was going to be uh, at the beginning of the season. I know he's had rough, rough patches, especially when he played with Brady Shea, but Shea's gone. I feel like his game. Has kind of improved since Shea's been gone. I don't know if you you agree yeah, with that. No, I I do agree with that. And again, it's uh yeah he's it's been a a bit, there's been a bit of a change up in that he's played some time with Smith, but then a few times uh uh I saw him with Stall once or twice, but it didn't last long. But yeah, he's mostly been playing with Brennan Smith. And yeah, I just think for whatever reason there's less uh deference when it comes to that. I also think Truba is, we've talked about this before, he's the type that he needs to be physically engaged. He kind of feeds off of that. We've faced some bigger banging teams recently. You know, we've faced less of the Torontos and the, uh, 
you know, I don't know who you want to say, the Anaheims of the world. And we've been, you know, St. Louis, that game in St. Louis, it looked like he was feeding off of the, the action, the forearm shivers and all that. And again, last night, Dallas is a big body team that likes to break, you know, especially when you have Corey Perry and, and Ben, and they're trying to, you know, some of their other guy, uh, Dickinson, some of their, you know, their, their bigger guys that kind of try to wear you down on the boards and just, because they're a bigger team, you know, they're a little bit older, but that means they're more mature and they play a little bit rougher. He loves that. You see him kind of light up and he kind of, <laughs> to I guess he kind of gets off on being able to like really get, lay into you in the corner and then try to skate out and try to skate out, you know, beat you around the net, up the ice to make that first breakout pass. Like you can definitely see it that that's what he enjoys. And um, yeah, I think he's just been more decisive. And I think sometimes when, especially with the teams that are trying to do more of the fancy perimeter passing. He kind of struggles with that just because he's not the most fleet of foot, but not that he's slow, but he's just, you know, he's more of a, when he's engaged, he's, he's being decisive. And for whatever reason, when him and Brady were paired together, it just seemed like they would defer to the other one too much. And, but it would be that half, you know, all it takes is a half second of miscommunication or, or of just not doing anything or deciding who's going to take it or who's going to get it. And you're already lost the race to the puck. You know, you don't have time. So, yeah, he's been more of that. I'm going to do it, Brendan, and you're there to just kind of back me up or come in the pile if I need you or whatever, or try to, yeah, and vice versa. So it's just, it's, it seems like it's worked out. And I, you know, we've ragged on him a lot. And he's, you know, he's had some up and down moments. I don't think he had his best game last night, but he, you know, Brendan Smith hasn't been a total tire fire since uh it could you know he hasn't been absolutely terrible since getting moved back to d full-time he's had his moments obviously because he's playing with truba and he's getting a lot of hard matchups which he probably shouldn't be getting but uh yeah i think he's been serviceable and obviously kudos to him for ben you know he he was mad at uh cogliano i think for putting a late hit on him and then ben his team is down asks him if he wants to go i think ben's trying to rally his uh team and i you know he's a tough customer so i definitely give him Brennan Smith credit for for answering the bell, you know. Yeah, and I appreciate him taking himself off the ice for five minutes. <laughs> and for well, then I take that wash any day of the week. Kidding me? He just took, exactly. you know, one of their, you know, they're obviously the, their leaders and uh, Jamie Ben off the ice for five minutes. I'll take that thousand yeah. percent. Um, I did think uh, I'm going to ask you about this. Sure. Uh, I thought that Tony and maybe more stall, but I thought even Tony that pairing had a real rough game. And I think they've had two rough games in a row where they've looked like. Well, uh, Stahl especially has been the last few games. He has not been good. So I want to ask you what your thoughts were on the way he's been playing recently. Well, it's tough to judge based off the Devils game. I thought every single player was well, exactly awful. like no one stood out. Yeah. So, I mean, so when you say they they played two bad games in a row. Yeah. But one of them, everyone played bad. So they're kind of. Well, I in. thought I, I thought he was also shaky. Well, last night. He, Stall was doing this weird thing. Not sorry to cut you off, but no, no, no. Stall's doing this weird thing where he was like hacking the puck with like one hand and like shuffling, like you know, in shuffleboard when you like push the the piece like down. He was like doing that constantly all night long, and it was like it was bothering me. And it, it, I don't know. Mark Stall does these weird things. I don't know if it's like the matchup, if he's a little overwhelmed with their size and and and, and their physicality, but. I mean, I didn't think the game was like overly physical or anything like that. So I, I was just 
it was weird. Stahl was playing a weird game. He was doing weird things last night. Uh, he played close to 20 minutes. Uh, you know, he was one of the, that he was, you know, right in the middle. He was the third, he had third most time on the ice. Yep. And, you know, Tony, you know, Tony is Tony. I, I don't know, you know, especially in the third period, we kind of got pinned in our zone a lot. Uh, Tony's, his forte is obviously the offensive side of the puck. So when he's forced to play defense and forced to constantly turn around, I feel like he struggles a bit. And when he gets into that rut, he, he doesn't always have the ability to get himself out, out of it, especially when he's matched up with Mark Stahl because he doesn't have really a strong outlet to go D to D with. So I wonder if that's the reason. That, does yeah. that make any sense to you? No, yeah, it does. And again, uh, listen, we, we know he's been better and he's got his things that he's suited for. That he's a good one-on-one shutdown stick checker. But the problem is his where he's really struggled is breaking the puck out and turn then turning it over because he doesn't have good hand. He has a hard time corralling pucks. He has a hard time being decisive. He doesn't have any deceptibility in stick handling. He doesn't have any foot speed to break away. And yeah, a lot of times he's looking up ice and he's indecisive and he turns the puck over. And he's I think he's like third and you know third to last in the league in terms of uh you know, in terms of just just uh, expected goals metrics, in terms of how much he drives play, you know that are in terms of his net his net uh, effect on the game, and it's it's obvious because I've watched him bungle so many easy breakouts where it's just clear he should just kick it back to Tony, but he's trying to, you know, the coaching staff obviously wants to advance the puck up the ice with speed and pace, and he just can't do it. He's you know older players slow down, they just. And yeah, he just can't do it. I don't know if it's the vision, the fact that he uses a stick that's like the side. Yeah, it looks like a two sticks tied together. It's how long it is. It's just, yeah, he looks so awkward and clunky sometimes. And I thought he had done a better job where he was more decisive earlier this year, but it's he's kind of reverted back to having trouble with it, you know. And yeah, I, we all, he, you know, he's been not to run the guy down more because I think it's just been done to death by this fan base. Like he's still here. We get it. He's not long for this world. He's got one more year left. What, what, what are they going to do? But um, yeah, it's just, it, it clearly, it's a lot for Tony and not, yeah. Tony is a guy who, who like we've, we call him a riverboat gambler, but a lot of his game is based off of chance and trying to really counterattack with speed and sometimes take, take chances. And yes, but when you have the guy who's supposed to be the steady guy is struggling, then you're, you're the pairing's going to struggle. So yeah, I don't want to put it all on Tony. I don't want to put it all on Mark, but it's just for the two of them, they've had a uphill battle for the last few games, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, they're two completely different players, and they like, there's nothing really they have in common other than the fact that they both play for the New York Rangers. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I think it's, you know, again, the Devils game was a tough game for everyone. This game definitely showed signs of, of them those two struggling. I have a question to ask you. How's your sock game? Are you wearing the same basic socks day in and day out? Are you showing your feet the same amount of style and attention you show your pants and jackets? Well, you're in luck, because I am proud to announce the Hockey Podcast Network Ugly Sock Contest, presented by Southern Scholar. Southern Scholar is a hockey player-owned menswear company whose primary focus is providing you with a better dress sock option through a monthly subscription to the Crafted with their one-of-a-kind signature material blend and designed with classic color palettes and timeless patterns, 
Their socks are built specifically to stay in place throughout your workday and add a subtle, sophisticated twist to your everyday. By partnering with the Hockey Podcast Network, Southern Scholar wants to help get you out of your old boring socks and into a pair of beautifully crafted and stylish dress socks by giving away a free March subscription box to the winner of the THPN Ugly Socks. Post a picture of your ugliest pair of socks to the contest post pinned to our Twitter profile at Broadway Boys Pod by March 31st, and James and I will select one winner to win a free March subscription box courtesy of southernscholar.com. That's all you have. So take off your shoes, rummage through that sock drawer of yours, snap a picture of the ugliest, most basic, boring, hole filled, stinky, Islanders colored socks you own. And you can finally treat your feet to the style and flair they deserve with a free pair of dress socks, courtesy of southernscholar.com. I'm curious to see how they'll match up tonight because, again, this is going to be a weird game. But, you know, you know, with McKinnon out, the other three lines are going to step up and play just as effective, if not better than any McKinnon line that we've seen all season. Uh, So it's going to be very... I don't even know what to expect tonight, to be honest. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah, it's weird because when I look at Dallas, it's like they're a team that is top heavy and they have been carried by some star, their star players. Cause you look and it's, they are, they're not the most uh, steady defensive teams and they do get, they do give up a good amount if, if they're not, when they're not sharp, but you know, the best, the best offense, you know, the best defense is a good offense and they can have a high octane offense when they're playing the style they want to play. So I think this is a Rangers team that even though they have injuries of their own, I think some of the, their ability to just box those teams out and not let them, I think if they can keep them to the outside for the most part, I don't see any of their their players maybe minus McCarr with a beautiful move or something breaking through, but you know, they have talented guys. It's just, I think it's a matter of their team, their team defense doesn't exactly impress me too much from what I've watched from them this year, you know? Uh, and yeah, Igor's already got one win over them at, at home. So let's hopefully he, uh, I assume he's playing again. I don't know if we've heard anything official. Uh, look, yeah, look you can, Twitter, I, right? well, you look right now, I'm going to ask you a question. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Uh, d- are there any rookies playing? Are they? Uh, did they call oh, anybody Steve, up? Stephen Fogarty got called up for this game, so I assume I meant I meant for the Avalanche. Sorry. Oh, uh, rookies. Mm. So Makar comes back. Uh, because they'll, they'll get their first goal. <clears throat> That's guaranteed. So who? How many people they call see, up? I, I That's see if they call. Um, I don't see any. Oh, they have a projected lineup. Okay, here we go. Projected lineup for uh, Landis Gog, Comfer, and Nemestikov. Top line. Nemestikov will score. That's one. Yeah, former Ranger. Uh, Martin Kaut has been up for a bit now, I think, for them. But, you know, I'm he's sure he's like in a looking. rut. There's a- no, no one else really. It's, you know, it's everyone else's, the, their usuals is that they have. Uh, is Logan O'Connor a rookie? Or is he like. Uh, he looks like a rookie. No, he's 23, so he's not a rookie. But I don't know if he's like. No, it's it's. I think it's everyone else's. Uh, I will say, I think Frank Frankus is starting and not Hutchinson. Frank, yeah, he get... they, you no, know, no, so because right now they're out without Grubauer, they're without Calvert, they're without Burakovsky, they're without Kadri, they're without McKinnon, I mean, without Rantanen. Frank, Frank who has been unbelievable though. 
I mean, he's yeah. 27 on the year. Save yeah. percentage is 922. Like the That's kid, pretty good. The kid can play. He can flat out play. So yeah, Even I, Hutchinson, I think, has been good. They've had good goaltending this year. Yeah, I again, I, this team. I don't. I feel like they're almost similar. They're like a Rangers that are like a little bit in the future, where they're a little bit more balanced. They got a deeper lineup, but they're you know they're definitely driven by their stars. Which yeah, which kind of go ahead. The one thing I'll say about them is that outside of Makar and. You know, obviously he helps stabilize Graves. The rest of the defensemen don't really impress me much. I think Zadorov has been bad this year. Uh, I like Samuel Gerrard a lot, but again, I I think, uh, yeah, I think they, you know, the Rangers would definitely kill to have. Although with with Mika, maybe you know, not going, maybe it's happening, especially Panarin, but um. But the and problem I is, that Ian, I feel like they have Ian, like a lot. Like Ian Cole is a veteran guy that's like he knows how to like he can play. Like you know what I mean? He's just well, flat out. Yeah. Well, that's the, I think that's the biggest thing. If you look at their that they have a lot of you know old but not too old players that are seasoned and know what to do. That you they plug into their lineup that helps them. Nemestikov, Donskoy, Niskushin, Mark Barbario, Nieto. Like these are, you know, these guys have experience. And then obviously even JT Comfort to a lesser extent, but then you have your, your, I guess your lesser star and your captain Landeskog who can, you know, impress every now and then. And then you have, yeah, you have your McKinnon and Ranton. And so they definitely, Belmar, who's like, you know, a respected veteran around the league, especially as the center. So yeah, they have, they have more of those guys than the Rangers have, you know, cause the Rangers have a lot of younger guys in those spots, but who maybe ultimately I think they're going to have to look if they want to move forward, they might have to look into upgrading those guys or having the young guys come into their own and replace those guys eventually. But for right now it works for them, you know, you know, let just have your, your stars break out. And then when you are, they're not on the ice, you have guys, you know, the veterans who can make sure the thing doesn't, it doesn't get away from them when they're not, you know, when their stars aren't on the ice, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I mean, if they can get those guys back, you know, with, uh, you know, McKinnon and um, uh, Rantanen, if they get those two back for the playoffs, I mean, they can they can win the cup. I mean, that that's the type of team that they have. I mean, they're yeah. not well, second in the West for nothing. Exactly. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, if they if this, I think if they were in the East, they might have a harder time. But, yeah, I, the only person who they should really be scared of in the West really is St. Louis. And, you know, I, I'll say uh, Vegas to a lesser extent because Vegas is, yeah, they had their struggles, you know, mid-year, early mid-year, but they've been better. Their metrics are very good. They're a very good team. A little inconsistent goaltending's been a bit spotty for them this year, but. It's because I have Flurry. <laughs> yeah, well, it's literally exactly. not, Just, that's all it is. Yeah, I dropped another player I dropped and then started picking it up. I dropped Landis Scott because he does a whole lot of nothing. He's been great for them in the last few games, especially as uh, they've lost. They've been, you know, lost guys to injury, so. But such such is the life of a fantasy player. You drop a guy because he's been a bum, and he turns back into a, a you know the pumpkin turns into the back into the carriage, and you're like, God, darn it, you know. But yeah, I digress. I mean, I, I just want to thank you, Aho, and, and and you know, since we're on, yeah. But you know what? At the end of the day, uh, McKinnon's hurt, and he's basically drives my fantasy team. So yeah, uh, it seems like an early exit for me in the in the playoffs. As you know, it's the. Uh, uh, you know, I guess not a divisional weekend. I don't even know how to call it. Yeah. It's bye weekend. But yeah, uh, no. Um, 
but tonight, what's your prediction? Like, what do you do? You think they're going to win? Like, I, I, I personally I, think they're going to lose. If McKinnon was in the lineup, I'd be more confident. And that, that's like, that's just the Ranger fan. The Ranger fan. Yeah. Um. I. If I'm gonna say, I mean, I'm gonna hope that based on the fact that they thought they didn't have to show up to a game where they thought it would be an easier path for them, you know, I would hope they would learn something from that. Uh, I would hope the it, the coaching staff, the one thing is the Rangers have been good on the road. And again, I think it's because it's a young team. When you're on the road, you feel like you kind of have a mission. You know what I mean? If that makes any sense. Whereas when you're at home, there's more of that. We're at home feeling we have our fans here. They love us. Like Mika scored five goals. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It's That's a little why. bit more biz. It's, it seems to be a little bit more business oriented for this young team when they're on the road. I well, think that- they're one of the better road teams in the NHL. Correct uh, me if I'm wrong. I'm uh, I can, I'm looking that up right now. I think that yeah. you are correct. I mean, they're 19, 12, and two on the road. So, uh, yeah, yeah good on the road. Yeah, they're very good on the road. I mean, the only teams to be better are the top tier teams in each division. Uh, Colorado very good at on the road, 24 yeah. and 11. I think they yeah. might have might have the most road wins, but they're at home tonight. So we're looking. Um, listen, am I confident in the Rangers? Are they going to win? <laughs> realistically no they're probably going to lose this game only because i really do think that they're going to win this game and that's probably really confusing for a lot of people but if you're a ranger fan you probably get you know it. exactly why um this way. you know i'm not saying tonight is a must win but it just doesn't seem like I, you know what it is i feel like no matter how many times we win we're always three points out of the playoff spot and the islanders just seem to be fucking getting points left and right in overtime and it's killing us and uh Carolina found their game. They're they're probably going to win the division. They've won three in a row. Uh, Columbus, uh, they I don't even know if they even put out a team anymore. They just get wins. Yeah, they survive, or they their goaltenders really help them. Yeah, I mean they both got they got two they got M and M goalies, right? They both start with M. Merzlikas and uh, uh, the other guy, which sounds like if you took all the letters in Merzlikas and you you jumbled you shuffled them, them around, yeah. It's, that's exactly yeah. right. So what are your what are your thoughts on the playoffs? I think we spoke about it earlier this year and it'll be exactly what we said and it'll be they'll finish just outside so close yet so far. And uh I think the only thing that's really changed is that I said that would be fine and I've been saying all season that would be fine. Now that it's like I uh to you know, if anyone you, anyone had to do a book report on, uh, you know, on the Great Gatsby and in elementary school or middle school or whatever it was, you know, when he's on the dock and he's reaching out to that green light, he sees it across. It's so close. He can almost touch it, but he can't make it a reality. That's what it feels like. It's like now that it's so close and it's so tangible and every game is important. Uh, and I've been. I don't want to say lying to myself, but I've been, I thought that I was like, you know what? It's okay. It'll be meaningful. And then ultimately they'll at least get a chance at a lottery pick. And then they'll have two firsts this year. One will be higher and that'll be good. And then one will be lower. Maybe they can parlay them. But now it's here. All I, all I really care about is them making it. And it's going to, I didn't think so. I thought I'd be, I was telling myself I'd be cool with it either way. Cause you know, especially that the Rangers have done it have tried to force it when it wasn't there for so many years. And now when it's finally like, 
a little more if, organic. Yeah, you feel you see like you I've said earlier that you see so many glimpses of what this team can be and should be if things go right and uh yeah, it's just I I'm going to I have to admit if they miss or when they miss or whatever it ends up being, uh it's going to really sting and because yeah, but maybe maybe that's a good thing. I think high expectations are a good thing. I like the fact that's the one thing I think the Rangers have done very well as an organization because they they've done a lot. They've messed a lot of stuff up. You know, they have they've haven't drafted in the first round well until recently. Got, you know, knock on wood. Uh, yeah, they they took too many swings. They they relied on their goaltender too much, or they didn't address the problems. They or they got free agents when they were too old, or didn't like build slowly through depth. But the one thing they have done good is that they always keep high expectations on themselves. Buffalo is going to miss again. Arizona is probably going to miss again. Like these franchise, Florida might even miss again. These franchises and Florida, I feel like if you look at them on paper, although they've been better recently, they might still get in. But some of these organizations have no excuse. Like you've had the time and you've been bad for so long, but why can't you? But it's, they have like, it's not about like, yeah, the expectation isn't, it's not about like, we're going to finally be good. It's just, it always, for them, it just seems like there's just something where they're always waiting for the other shoe to drop. And with, I feel like this Rangers team, it's usually not an option. And the fact that when they, even when they're last year, when they were a young team and had a lot, they were selling off parts, like, yeah, it was still kind of posed to them as like, we disappointed ourselves. We didn't make it, you know? And I like the fact that they keep high standards and that they hold themselves accountable. And it's not this like we're just going to be cool with it being one foot at a time. It's, it has to be one foot at a time or else we're we're failing. And I like that. I like, you know, so it's going to sting if they miss. But God damn it, we're still in it. <laughs> Even though it's sting. seeming improbable, they'll be in it close. And then I don't think it'll be if they miss it, it you, it'll probably won't be apparent until maybe the final two weeks of the season and you'll be like, okay, they're out of it. But I think, I think they're, they're going to, they're going to wrench on our heartstrings until then James. And you know, it as a Rangers fan, it's just, it's going to be, they're going to lose a bunch of games that they, they should probably win. You're going to be upset. And then all of a sudden they're going to rattle off wins against teams that should probably have pound them into dust. And they're going to be so close. And then they're just not going to make it. And we're going to be like, Oh, so, you know, so close, but, and it's going to hurt, but, the fact that we again, let's just remind ourselves the fact that they're in this position at all is is a win. So, but damn, it's gonna suck. It's gonna suck, but it's gonna suck for me is because we're. I feel like we're better than Carolina. I feel like we're better than Columbus. I feel like we can go toe to toe with the Islanders. And I mean, they have good players in our lineup, but they don't do shit. Uh, I feel like we're better than Florida. <laughs> well, the Islanders. Yeah, the fact they even made it to that position last night in the shootout is, yeah. Uh, well, Vancouver's been been horrendous the latter half of the year because they were getting bailed out by marks from most of the season now the it's just not coming together so um carolina won three in a row right no carolina i i think carolina is very good team like but they've they've been they've been well they've been inconsistent i mean they're gonna get blown out of the water in the playoffs they they don't even belong in the play they're kind of like the rangers like whoever again whoever these two wild card teams are toronto can survive because they have you know austin matthews and 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 they'll, and they'll be able to score their way out of certain issues. They're never they're not going to win a round, especially because they're going to have to play Tampa Bay. And Tampa Bay's been an absolute, uh, you know, beast the second half of the season. They started off slow, uh, yeah. and you know they've been playing some very exciting games with Boston lately. I feel like they played two games against Boston. You could just tell like 
that's going to be, you know, the Atlantic final. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's just like, it's that's the most frustrating part. I feel like the Rangers are better than those teams. And I don't want the Rangers to play themselves out of it because the other play, the other teams are not going to play themselves into it. So if we really miss the playoffs. That means we played ourselves right out of it. And we, we lost games that we should have won. Hence the, the game against the, you know, the Devils. Yeah, obviously my only worry is that the Rangers inflicted too much, uh, self, you know, too much self-inflicted uh, cuts from earlier in the year will be their ultimate undoing. Where if you say, well, if they, all those times where they had a lead and they coughed it up at the last second, especially if they only missed by like what, like two or three points, because they, you know, three points out. Yeah, they're essentially you a know, point you can, out of the playoff spot right now. Yeah, so if you know if they miss by three points, you can literally say game A, game B, and game C where we had a a lead and we gave we gave up the tying goal with this many seconds left, and then we either lost it in a shootout or OT. You can you can lead that, and all they had to do was like not give up a last second goal to Columbus with thirty seconds left, you know, and they would have got a point or that you know what I mean. It's just yeah. But, uh, you know, uh, yeah, again, to my point that the the fact that the expectation is still there is good. You know, it could be a lot. It could be a lot worse. Some teams right now are searching for answers again that they don't have. Like I mentioned, like Buffalo and uh, Arizona, who since acquiring Taylor Hall has been absolutely terrible. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's a I don't know how they're dealing with I mean, that, but. I mean, we'll face them. We'll see them on the 14th. Uh, yeah, we'll probably win that one, though, won't they? I Yeah, the, uh, Arizona <laughs> probably will win that one. And like, this is, again, what I'm talking about. Like, this is the expectation of just a Ranger fan. But realistically, we should win those games. We should win tonight. We should beat Arizona. We're coming home to play Calgary. We should be able to beat a Calgary team who's been struggled to be consistent this year at home. And then we, we host a, a home-and-home with the, the Penguins. And if you split with them, then you can rattle off you have a you can beat buffalo you know you can beat columbus uh washington will be tough and tampa bay will be tough and philly will be tough those three games in a row will be tough yeah. and then you end the season with a uh um pittsburgh and chicago chicago is beatable but you know yeah. the other it's not like the other teams are playing you know detroit from here on out like they have to play tough teams too so you know they, it's time for you know them to put up and shut you know or shut up like this is it yeah, and you're right, James. Based on the quality that they're facing, that it'll be one thing if they miss it because they lost the games to the teams that were just are obviously better than them and farther along than them. But if you look at how their record versus those teams and it's respectable and good, but then you see they drop some games they should have won to teams that are lesser, yeah, it's going to sting. It's going to suck. And to your point, it's because they would have played themselves out of it. And maybe that would just be proof that they're not there yet. But again, we're. We'll, we'll give let's they've been they've impressed they've surprised and impressed us at times this year so let's let's uh see if they can do it uh and again will be another test for them a team you know a team that's hurt by injuries hopefully they they start developing that that we this team is underserved yes we played last night but let's put let's figure out how to put uh the heel on the throat a bit going forward you know yeah, and uh, you know, just a little talk about the teams in front of us. Carolina has one of the tougher schedules I've seen. Uh, they play a game every every other day, and they play back to backs every single weekend. So they play every Saturday and Sunday in the month of March. So this, so for instance, this weekend, this past weekend, they beat Islanders in overtime and then 
beat Pittsburgh six two, which they had no business doing. Then they beat yeah. they beat the Red Wings. But then they play Pitt, Buffalo back to back, Ottawa Islanders back to back, and Pittsburgh Devils back to back. Like their schedule is not easy. This is way harder than the Rangers schedule. No, absolutely. And you know, the funny thing is I th- my what I think would be funny or not funny, but there is a part of me that thinks when you don't have time to like feel good about yourself or have a layover, like a layover, sometimes it's good for helping you stay on on mission and on target. Sometimes it's like I feel like there's teams where they're doing well and they they rattle off a big thing and then they have like a three day to four day break or something and then all of a sudden it's like they just they are, they start a funk or they're not able to. They just look totally different, and but the problem they can like, go the other way too. Oh, that's true, and I could also see them. I could also see them if doing that, but then have literally Carolina literally being out of gas come the first the first round of the playoffs because they just to get in they had to like really scrap, you know, and had to play so many back to backs, you know. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, there's no excuses for the Rangers to not uh, either make it or be in it. Yeah, I mean they'll be in the so conversation. They, I'm very confident in that. But it's yeah. again, you know, it's one, it's one thing to be in the conversation, but you know, this is a reality for them. Looking at the teams above them. Yeah, you know, just a, a last thing for us to touch on. Sure. Um, Elliot Friedman uh, released his 31 thoughts today, and in it he he mentions uh, he has a little anecdote. And here, let me pull it up so I can quote it exactly because I think. It, Give Elliot credit where it's due. Where are we? Uh, Okay. I'm not sure who among us had the Rangers three point out of a playoff spot with 12 games to go, but they are pushing hard. That's why it is not a surprise. GM Jeff Gorton and assistant Chris Drury were given extensions. Oh yeah. By the way, they were given extensions. Yep. The Jim Gregory award for GM of the year is not voted on until midway through the playoff, but Gorton is going to get votes. Then he goes on to mention the Rangers signing Patrick Kotarenko, which another thing we forgot to talk about, but I'm sure we can talk about it, you know, next time or whatever. But uh, yeah, you know, we've touched on it this about the the job that Gorton has done so far, and especially what how Hartford, although they're in a little bit of a slump right now, but it makes sense given the fact that they've lost a lot of talent to either the big club or whatever. But uh, yeah, Gorton and Drury both given extensions. Uh, do you how do you feel about this? Do you think it's I mean, yeah, what I what are your thoughts on maybe Gorton more than Chris Drury? Do you think so far he's done a good job? Do you think this is uh, deserved? Um yeah, what are your thoughts? I mean, you judge, you're supposed to judge a person based off of their, you know, their performance and, you know, what they've been able to accomplish and there's no doubt that, you know, the Rangers are way ahead of schedule. Yeah. Uh I think now it's a, I'm afraid the only thing that concerns me with all this is I'm afraid yes. that the and this is nothing to do with Gorton and I, I agree with everything that Friedman said. Uh, I believe he should get a ton of votes. I think he's done a, a great job. I, w- the one thing I am afraid, I think we're d- going to digress next season. And I think panic will ensue a little bit when, you know, the, this magic that's happening right now yeah. is, you know, is is drawn back. and you know, we're going to maybe not do as well only because we have a lot of, you know, external factors with this team and it's just, it's tough to be consistent in the NHL. And I think next year is, is prime for prime for a, a little bit of a letdown year, just because, you know, 
teams will be expecting this from the Rangers. They will be expecting this, you know, Panarin, Zibanejad duo. They will be expecting, you know, what, you know, with Kreider and everything like that. They will know that Fox and Lindgren are, are here to stay to solidify their defense. They know that Igor, you know, they have footage now on Igor and what they need to do to, to move him across the net and create, you know, better scoring opportunities. They'll have all of this stuff. So they'll have more footage of what the Rangers are as a team, and they'll be able to, you know, prepare for them a little bit, you know, better. So I do think that the Rangers will probably be in a similar situation next year, maybe a little worse, maybe a few points more back out of a playoff spot. But I do think the overall big picture is we're, it's still a step in the right direction. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Uh, we, there is a bit of a house money feeling this season. So next year, it wouldn't surprise me to see, especially if they get off to a poor start for them to feel like it's sliding away from them because the they've built it up to be so important. Like they have to be good. The ex, expectation is finally there. And you look at some of the teams that's affected over the last few years, especially coming off where like they finally make the playoffs for one season and they're out again the next year. Cause they were, they narrowly missed because they had, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's such a mental animal for, for teams to make it. But yeah. Um, I guess uh, to the point of with the, to till now, Gorton has been pretty shrewd. I like a lot of the, especially some of the things, you know, as we talked about how go, good Gauthier's been. Uh, it remains to be seen what happens to uh, Joey Keane and how he pans out. But, yeah, I mean, it's clear that Gauthier was an underutilized asset or underappreciated for whatever reason by Carolina because you look at how the, uh, the skills package is obviously super enticing. So, and there was, they were gun shy on bringing him up for them. So he's, but he's playing for the Rangers right now in their big, with their big club and he's doing pretty well. Obviously the, the points haven't really come yet, but on the ice, the, the results have been positive in terms of just keeping the play out of his own end and like causing havoc and drawing penalties and that type of stuff. So you hope it comes and, he, you know, again, he hasn't had much, this is, he still has less than 10 games in the NHL. So he's got to get acclimated like anyone else he hasn't really had consistent line mates either with the yeah, Rangers that being plagued by injuries last night was the first time he probably played more than seven minutes so but and he looked good you know he looked he had great flesh yeah uh so i think i gorton has done a lot of shrewd things i mean obviously with after his game there's been so much talk about how this advantage ad trade was a fleecing but yeah we've spoken before about how gorton has done a very good job moving on from the right contracts at the right time uh you know, maybe Leah Sanderson didn't pan out, but Stepan getting Tony D'Angelo for Derek Stepan is now proving to be extremely prescient move, right? Um, yeah, and then some you would hope that, they, in especially they the Rangers have done a, especially recently done a good job of turning things that have been a strength because now they are in a position of strength and that they do have a prospect, they do have a draft capital and they have prospects that they can wheel and deal and dr- they can deal from a. a you know, position of strength to address a weakness. You know, they're locked up on that right side. They had at the, you know, or at the time, you know, it was uh Truba Fox D'Angelo. And then you have people like Lundquist, uh, who's setting records in the SHL. And then Joey Keene, who's had a, an awesome rookie year for, or I guess technically, yeah, technically still his rookie year, even though he played a little bit the year before, but for Hartford, uh, in terms of producing points and yeah, they have other guys overseas, Ragnarsson and all these other people. 
that, yeah, they just, they're, they're stacked in that position from, you know, right-handed D's are hard to get and the Rangers seemingly have them coming out of the rear. So they're like, we're, you know, right side, right-handed D. So it was uh, and not good, good that they moved, they moved on, you know. And the, the handling of the, the goaltending situation too also deserves a little bit of an applaud. Uh, it's not easy basically phasing out, um, you know, the face of your franchise over the course of a, a half a season, essentially when, uh, you know, bringing Igor over and he's everything and more as advertised. So kind of put him under the gun of whether or not to call him up. He calls him up at the right time. Uh, you know, it sparks the Rangers onto a, a little bit of a run and, you know, basically solidified the goaltending position for the future. And uh, it's a it's a tight situation. It's a tough situation. And, you know, he's dealing with inherited uh, contracts that, you know, are are going to, you know, you know, he's going to wish that they were gone, obviously, but, you know, he's going to have to deal with those another year. So, um, you know, again, that's why I think that next year might be, uh, a, you know, if we take a step in the right direction, it's going to be a much smaller step from where what we took this year from the yeah. previous year. You know, if that may. No, that may it absolutely makes sense. Um, yeah. So and I mean, like you said, that it's that's not something that's easy to do. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's a hard and it can, it can really go blow back on you if, especially if, if Lundquist didn't handle it well or make a stink, but yeah, he's just, he's, his, his cap hits there, but it almost seemingly Lundquist hasn't been there. He's only been, it's not like he's been, uh, gifted starts over Georgiev or Igor who, and it's obviously, I think it's clear by now the Rangers want to hang on to Georgiev who's proven he can be good. You know, he has his inconsistencies like anyone else but uh in terms of a backup to igor you couldn't really ask for a better guy right you know just based on what we've seen from him over the last uh, few seasons so yeah uh, i mean yeah. you want two things out of a uh you want two things out of a backup you want uh a guy that you can throw out there pretty much any night and be confident that you'll you're not giving up the two points and you want a guy that if your goaltender does get hurt for a long-term uh, injury situation, you want someone that you're confident in, in, in filling a, a starting position. You get that with, with Georgie. And, yeah. you, know, uh, you know, we always got that with all of our backups. And I don't see why this situation would be any different with the, going in with those two. Now, it will be interesting what they have to do next year because, again, Hank is on the books next year. So uh, we can't carry through goaltenders again. I just don't see that being an option i don't yeah, know how you no, you're absolutely that. right they're gonna have to figure that out and you know between there's a lot of people saying oh buy out mark Stahl, buy out lundquist buy out brennan smith well you know you can only buy out so many guys and it has to make sense in terms of uh yeah cap uh recapture penalties and things of that nature so uh yeah the, the gordon's got his work cut out for him next year's gonna be a little tight with shat kirk's buyout so we'll see He's been shrewd and creative before, so we'll see what he's got in store because he's gonna need he's gonna need to make some tough decisions, you know. Uh, but yeah, he's obviously the fact that he's getting a lot of love for uh, GM of the Year award at least you know reaffirms my faith that I think he'll figure it out. So we got a little breaking news. I don't know how you feel about this, but it doesn't involve the Rangers, but it does involve a team that they're fighting a playoff uh, spot with. And the Columbus Blue Jackets just said all remaining home games will be closed to fans. What? Due really? to the coronavirus. Yes. 
Whoa. So they're going to empty arena? I Yeah, I guess so. Uh, I mean, that's a huge, huge... Uh, if that's true, and, you know, I've been duped by fake news before, uh, you know, that the prince from Nigeria still owes me a ton of money. <laughs> but, uh, you know, again, you know, this, <laughs> the season's not done. There's plenty of hockey left, and there's... With this corona stuff, I don't know if, you know, it will impact the entire league the same, but certainly... Columbus closing down its uh, home games to fans will be uh will play a factor. Certainly play a factor. Yeah, I mean that's the whole thing. It's like you know, obviously I mean Ottawa's been closing it down. They closed it down earlier in the year for the whole season, I think. Mm. Yeah, it's just <sighs> Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, the, the having your own fans <laughs> boost you up. Yeah, you gain energy from them, especially you score and I, I'm the one of the, I think it's less so much in terms of like, if you're trailing and you score a goal, I think when you, if you're, I think if you're fail to, if let's say you're, you're trailing, you know, three, nothing and you score a goal late in the second period. And all of a sudden you hear your fans after you score that one goal who were out of it the rest of the game, you have momentum, like finishing that period and going into the third. And I think that's where the, these things can help snowball and put, you know, push teams oh. to tie it up, especially as that game goes on. Is, so, it, is it wrong for me to want Columbus to make the playoffs? Um, no, I mean, oh, good luck playing a playoff game without any fans in the arena. Oh, well, well that's the biggest thing. It'd just be so interesting. Well, I, I mean, we could have a whole podcast on what this would entail. But the one thing is, if, if you're going to play without, if you're going to, I see LeBron's talking about there. There's there's so many things on the table right now for how they're going to approach this possibility of push delaying the season, pushing it back a little bit more. Those last game segment, who knows what's going to happen? But if you have an empty arena, like take advantage of it. I want drone shots. I want uh, there's so many cool things you could do. Yeah, do cool stuff. Turn a negative into a positive. Don't just be like, well, it's empty in here. You know, million Put, camera like, angles. Yeah, lay 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 out giant. I want things in the in the stands or whatever. You know what they're probably gonna do? It'll be stupid. They'll have like they'll they'll work something out where like people can pay to businesses can pay to have their advertisements like in the seats, like draped over a few seats. You know what I mean? Something stupid like that. But I, yeah, I want drone shots. I want. Uh, I remember I think Toronto for a few games a few seasons ago they were doing those those wire shots that they do in like football and at the at the uh, winter classic the flyover shots when teams are going up the ice i like those those are cool you know yeah yeah no i mean uh, i know the rangers have the blimp that sometimes used to fly over uh that had a camera on it and i always thought like i don't know why that's not flying around during the game yeah i want to see if you're in the wells fargo center and i want to see i want to see gritty like you know no one there but i want to see gritty just like sitting in random seats and like doing dumb stuff he's team personnel he can be there you know i want to see him swinging around up top yeah yeah like just have fun with it like don't make you know this it sucks that they have to do this but you better figure out a way to make it interesting you think the rangers if they shut the fans out they'd still let susan sarandon sit uh, yeah <laughs> well it's like if the knicks play spike lee will still somehow be there and you know oh, much yeah. to dolan chagrin i'm sure or it'll be like someone will be holt sitting with an ipad with spike lee's face on it you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah but all right i mean i i'm 
again, we'll probably, if anything big happens like that, I'm sure we'll hop back on the mics, but you know, that episode yeah. won't come out till next week. So, I mean, hopefully, you know, the Rangers are able to win tonight and, you know, take care of business against Arizona in a few days. And, and hopefully we're in a, uh, a good position still and in striking distance of that playoff spot. Like I said before, ton of hockey left and uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Last little bit of uh, housekeeping. So at the top of the podcast, uh, I had mentioned we have a, a nice little contest going on, uh, courtesy of tankathon.com and coolhockey.com. You can win a $200 gift card uh, towards coolhockey.com by entering the Hockey Podcast Network Draft Lottery Contest. Uh, again, as I mentioned up top in the uh, podcast, you visit tankathon.com slash NHL, click Sim Lottery, create your 15-team simulation, you screenshot, you can do it as many times as you want, find an outcome you think is going to match uh, best the NHL Draft Lottery come, uh, yeah, come the time for the actual Draft Lottery, and then whoever's the closest uh, wins. So yeah, you'll 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 post it to the uh, the posting in either our um, uh, we have a post for it on our and we'll be retweeting it. So we'll, we'll have the posting for that in our Twitter account at Broadway Boys Pod. It's also on Hockey Pod Net's official uh, Twitter at Hockey Pod Net. Uh, yeah. And then you just make sure you tag a friend and you retweet the post. And yeah, if you win two hundred dollars, you could win a two hundred dollar uh, gift card towards uh, CoolHockey.com. So you been thinking about buying you know pulling the trigger on a Panarin jersey finally or a Kako jersey or a Mika jersey you can finally get it you know coolhockey.com uh, amazing source for officially licensed NHL jerseys and I'm not talking you know the Fanax jerseys that they do have those but you can get that real nice actual Adidas jersey you know with the little button and the the, the fight collar you know the fight strap and all that so yeah so make sure to enter the Hockey Podcast Network Draft Lottery Contest uh, and also, and mid-roll, you heard this, uh, just through this podcast, James and I, uh, along with our partners at Southern Scholar, we're having the Hockey Podcast Network Ugly Sock Contest. Very simple. There is a post pinned to our uh, Twitter. Again, that's at Broadway Boys Pod. Take a picture of your ugliest socks, you know, whether they're basic or stinky or hole-filled or Islanders colors or whatever. Uh, post a picture of your ugliest socks to the posting on our Twitter profile by the end of the month, James and I will select a winner and you get a free, beautiful pair of dress socks courtesy of Southern Scholar. So uh, yeah, they've been awesome and supportive to us and the Broadway boys podcast. And for that, we are grateful. They sent us some amazing dress socks. You know, I've been wearing them. I wore them to dinner the other night. I, I had a nice pop of color. Uh, they were Rangers colors, you know, cause they, they know, uh, they, they know what's up and they uh, represent. So that's great. So, yeah, you can win free socks, and that's really easy. Literally just post a picture of your ugly socks to the uh, posting in our Twitter profile that's uh, pinned to the top. So, yeah, that's it. You want to win free socks? Do that. James and I decided to win. So, couldn't be any easier. Uh, all right. So, we'll, uh, next time we talk to you, hopefully, uh, all the potential doom and gloom between the Rangers' playoff chances, the coronavirus, the NHL possibly shutting down or postponing the regular season or playing to no we have some more clarity uh but yeah i guess to wrap this one up um yeah i guess it's uh well i guess hopefully it's uh southern scholar season
Thank you for listening to the Broadway Boys Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Broadway Boys Pod, and please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.